Welcome, welcome to Fixin' to Talk Sports. I'm your host, Ryan Brown, and today we are going to be talking MLB season preview. Uh, But before we get into that, I've got to shout out the rest of the shows under the Mouth and Off Sports umbrella. That being the Cool Zone NBA pod with Nick and Jonathan, the Foxborough Files with Michael and Zach Lacey, and my guest today, Dan Roach, as well as the Mouth and Off show pod itself. But Dan, how are we doing today? Uh, we're doing all right. It's been a minute since I, uh, I've been on the mic, the hot mic for, uh, for Mouth and Off. I know Foxborough Files has taken a bit of a hiatus um life got busy but um you know well it's it's not done yet we're just we're just taking a little break while we figure out some some life stuff we hear you and we totally understand but it's good to have you back on the pod so without further ado let's get into our mlb season preview show yes baseball is back it's right around the corner thing the season is starting this Thursday, opening day across the league. Can't wait. But let's start with the National League, the NL East. The Braves are looking to win their fourth straight division title. Their major acquisition this offseason was starting pitcher Charlie Morton, who helped lead the, the Tampa Bay Rays to the World Series this past season. Uh The Mets and the Nationals are going to be looking to reload after disappointing 2020 seasons. Uh, But it looks like everyone's going to be chasing the Atlanta Braves in the NL East. Dan, what's your thoughts on the NL East coming into the 2021 season? Yeah, I mean, Braves Braves are loaded. Um, They went out, they they locked up Ozuna, uh, brought him back. uh, Freddie Freeman coming off an MVP. Uh, and then Acuna really coming into his own, uh, and they've got they got a lot of depth around around their lineup. They got some good young pitching. Uh, in addition to, I know you talked about, they brought in uh, Morton, um, but they're they're a tough team, and uh, I think the favorite right now to win it um, maybe alongside the Mets. Yeah, I I think the Mets have made some moves to put themselves in a position to certainly contend for the division crown trading for Carlos Carrasco and Francisco Lindor from the Cleveland <clears throat> baseball team. Uh, and they also brought in Jonathan Villar and Kevin Pillar for three agency to help add some depth to the outfield and the infield. Uh, so I think the Mets are certainly in a position to compete with the Braves for the NL East crown. I'm not sure if, things will play out that way. But I also wouldn't be surprised if the Nats uh, had a big bounce back here. They finished dead last in the NL East last year. Really disappointing. Uh, they they made some additions of their own. They brought in Josh Bell uh, from the Pirates. They signed Kyle Schwarber and John Lester. I mean, John Lester, I know he's on the, I don't want to say tail end, but he's on the back nine of his career. And but he's still a quality pitcher, and he's their number four, because they've got Scherzer, Strasburg, and Patrick Corbin still. I mean, that is just unreal pitching for the Nationals, and they always and they've they've always had that. It's just whether or not they can put it all together. Last year, just it crumbled. Things 
just didn't go their way with injuries and whatnot. But I wouldn't be surprised if the Nats bounced back this year and gave the Braves a run for their money as well. Yeah, I mean, it, it, anytime you got a absolute stud like Soto in the lineup alongside um, Turner, who, who's really turned into a, a superstar in, in the MLB as of late, um, you know, having two, those two guys in your lineup is going to do a lot for you. Uh, you know, you hope that Josh Bell can kind of uh, stay healthy and, and same with Kyle Schwarber, have a little bit more of a bounce back here for them. Um, but certainly the pitching uh, is, is nothing to scoff at. So um, they're, they're also, uh, I think, a big time threat as well. Um, just given uh, the way that the Mets have reloaded and the Braves uh, and, and their past success, that's a, that's a tough division. And I don't envy um, the Marlins or their Phillies. <laughs> No, no, the, the Phillies, I don't have much hope for. And as, as fun as it was to see the Marlins uh, play their way into the playoffs last year, I know it was an expanded field, but it, it was, it, I don't, I don't see the Marlins being a threat in the NL East this year. Um, but let's go into, let's talk some over-unders so that we'll do this for each division uh, for some of the teams that we think are going to be competing for playoff spots for the division title. Uh, so Vegas lists the Braves, their over under for wins on the season is sitting right now at 91 and a half. Dan, do you think the Braves will get over or under 91 and a half wins? Uh, I'm going to go under just, um, you know, I think, I think the Mets, Braves and Nats are probably all sitting right around mid nineties to, to, to low eighties is probably where all those teams could be. So, um, you know, just hedging your bets and, and a lot of the interdivision games that are going to be going on. I don't think that any of those three teams gets to hundred wins. Uh, if, if all those teams kind of perform how uh, I expect them to. I've, I've actually got the over on this one. I don't think they will be over by much. I think they will be 93, maybe 94 if they're lucky. I, I, I agree with you. They're, they're in that those three teams, are definitely in the high 80s to low 90s range. But I think if, if anyone is going to be in that low 90s range, the best bet is probably the Braves. So for that reason, I will take the over. Uh, the Mets have an over-under of 89 and a half wins, while the Nationals are sitting with an over-under currently of 84 and a half wins. So do you like the Mets to get to... It, where, where do you sit on the 89 and a half for the Mets and 84 and a half for nationals? Yeah, I guess if I had to pick um, personally, I think this division comes down to the Mets and the Braves uh, and I'm going to take the, the Mets to take the division. I like them maybe just around uh, the low nineties in, in terms of wins. So I'll take the over on the Mets um, and the Nats. I think that's a real good line. I mean, it's, that's about right where I would put them. I think you said for the 84 and a half. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I think they're just sitting around there, um, you know, maybe just because they got some older guys on their pitching staff. Um, I know I know Corbin's young, but um, I'll, I'll take the under there and just um, assume some they, they, they maybe run into some injury trouble or some COVID trouble. See, that's what I think is ha- going to happen to the Mets. I, I just don't see them putting it all together this year. I think they're going to be under 89 and a half wins. I actually like the over for the Nats because I think they've got, they will have a bounce back here and they will be in a better position to compete at the end of the day with the Braves. So give me the over on the Nats and the under 
on the Mets. Let's move on to the NL Central, where the Chicago Cubs will be looking to repeat as NL Central champs. Their major acquisition this year was Zach Davies, but they really didn't do a heck of a lot else to bolster the roster. And you just look up and down it, and it's just not, it just doesn't feel like a, a championship contending team. And I think that's kind of verified uh, by the fact that they're over under is sitting at 79 and a half wins for the season. That, that feels a little bit low to me. So I'm, I guess I'm spoiling where I'm going on my pick for that, but where, where do you sit on the Cubs and the NL central as a whole, Dan? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to smash the over for the Cubs. Um, I think that, their their infield in particular is is loaded um and their outfield's not bad they brought in josh peterson he's been having a phenomenal spring training um which i know doesn't necessarily mean uh much but um you know jock's been a good player for for a while now uh they just actually made a decision to send down nico horner so he's going to be starting the year uh on their triple a squad so that they uh i think they don't want to use up his service time yeah uh, the the classic just send the send the young guy down to the minors for like two weeks so that he doesn't accrue a season, a year's worth of service. Right. Um, but he was a finalist for a gold glove at second base last year. So I, I suspect he'll be up real soon. Um, I mean, there, there's, there's a lot of great people, you know, you still got Baez over there, uh, Contreras behind the dish, Rizzo, um, Chris Bryant, you hope that he can, he can bounce back. I know he had a, a down year and maybe down two years if I'm remembering correctly, but um, I like this team to hit. I think that um, they're trending up the, their pitching staff like, and, and especially their bullpen is where um, their Vegas hole is. Yeah. They're going to need, uh, they're going to need Jake Arietta to really hold the fort for the rotation and they need the uh, a really good year from Craig Kimbrell. He came on, kind of late in the season back in what was it 2019 last year he was he was fine um but man he's he needs to get back into the craig dominant craig kimbrell of old uh if if the cubs really want to uh try and repeat as division winners and i agree with you wholeheartedly i think that that over under of 79 wins is just i think that's a little disrespectful if you ask me i'm definitely smashing the over as well uh, but the favorites in the division are actually the Cardinals. Uh, and uh, I don't think you can really blame odds makers uh, after the Cardinals acquired Nolan Arenado from the Rockies in that blockbuster trade in the offseason. Uh, their their over-under sits at 86 and a half. Uh, but you also have a couple other teams that made the playoffs from the NL Central last year in the mix, that being the Reds and the Brewers. They're going to try to return the postseason. They wouldn't have made it if it weren't for the expanded postseason last year. So take that for granted. Uh, And starting pitching for those two teams is going to be key. They both lack top-end talent and depth when it comes to pitching. Uh, The Reds over-under is set at 80 and a half wins. And the Brewers is set at 84 and a half. So you've got four teams that are fairly close to each other in the wins department for season projections. So Dan, when you're looking at the non 
we're not looking at the Cardinals, the Reds, and the Brewers. Is there anything that stands out in, from you to you from those teams? Um, I think for the, for the Cardinals and Brewers, um, you know, neither team I think is really overpowering, uh, and, and the same can be said of the the Reds. Um, and there's not a lot of star pitching. I'd say pitching on the whole for for those teams is is maybe a little down. I mean, the Reds do have Sonny Gray and Luis Castillo. Um, and uh, the Brewers have, have Woodruff, and he's been real good as of late. Um, you know, I, mean, I don't think any of these teams is, is real um, threats to go deep into the postseason, but in terms of their division, it's going to be tight. Um, it's going to be tight. Yeah, I, I, I'm agreeing with you there. Uh, so if we're talking the over-unders that I threw out there, uh, give me the over on the Cardinals. I think they'll get over 86.5 wins this year. Uh, I think that they're in a strong position. They've got the they've got the pitching and the hitting now uh, to put something together. Where I'm not saying they're gonna be the NL representative in the World Series, but I think they could they could contend. They're in a position to contend for sure, not just win the division. Uh, and then I also like the over on the Reds for 80 and a half wins. I think the Reds will be above 500 this year. I don't think they're, they're a 500 ball club. Uh, maybe they'll be close to it, but I think they'll be slightly, at least slightly above 500. Uh, but the Brewers, I think they'll be right around 500. So give me the under on the Brewers, 84 and a half. Yeah. I, um, you're going to have to remind me of these lines again. I think the Cardinals, you said what? 80. Cardinals were 86 and a half. 86 and a half. That seems a, a little high. I like them pretty much at 500. Um, you know, I, I know they have Jack Flaherty, um, but beyond that, I'm not a big believer in in their starters. Um, it's like Wainwright and uh, forget who else is there. They've got a uh, Hang Jun Kim. I mean, he was he was pretty good for them last year. Uh, he had a sub three ERA on the season. I know it was a condensed season but he he showed out while he was available to pitch for them yeah i think um i'm looking at it now i guess where did he come from did he only pitch in 2020 yeah he's he i believe he came over from the japanese league or the taiwanese league i'm not totally sure off the top of my head uh in terms of which league overseas he played in mm. um but i mean he's last year was his first season he went three and oh in seven starts an era of one six two uh certainly nothing to, to scoff at um, yeah and he also had a save on the season and in his I mean, the one postseason start he had was not very good. I, I will admit that. But uh, at least in the regular season, he showed to be a very capable pitcher. So you, you combine that with Flaherty, Miles Mikolas, and uh, Adam Wainwright, like you said. I mean, they have the, the makings of a pretty good rotation. It's just whether or not you can get another – good season from Adam Wainwright, which is asking a lot at this stage in his career and getting consistency for Miles McCullis 
and a bounce back year from Jack Flaherty. Yeah. You know, I mean, the hard thing with, with a lot of these 2020 stats is, is you look at it and you've got big name players putting up duds and, and some uh, lesser players who, you know, put up monster numbers. Um, so, I mean, it's hard, you know, if this guy came, I think you said, if, he, if he's the real deal um, and can uh, do it over, over a whole season, then I think um, they're, they're going to have a, a real good season. Um, Cause I don't think Jack, Jack Flaherty is like a five ERA pitcher. No. Um, and but I mean, we'll see. I, I I personally don't don't believe in his team uh, that much. Uh, I know Goldschmidt and Arenado are there, um, and Yadi is still as good as ever uh, behind the dish. Um, that's about all that I know. They've Dijon. Tommy Edmonds bounced around a little bit. He was with the Yankees, I think. Yeah. Um, but um, what are your thoughts on the Reds and the Brewers? The Reds, the Reds over under is eighty and a half. The Brewers. 84 and a half. Wow. I mean, those are good lines. I think that I think the Reds are maybe just under uh, 500 after, after losing Bauer. Um, yeah, I'll put, I'll, I'll take the under on the Reds and uh, I, I like the Brewers in a bounce back year. I like them to win the division um, and edge out the mm-hmm. Cubs. So I'll take them. I'll take them on the over. Okay. Brewers, Brewers division title. I like it. I like it. Uh, let's, let's head out West to the NL West where this is just a, I'm just going to say it. It's a dumpster fire of a division. This is just the Dodgers and the Padres. And there's nothing else to be said about that. The Dodgers open as perennial favorites to win it all yet again, not only the division, not only the national league, but the whole dang thing. And one of the reasons why is because not only are they defending world series champions, but they also managed to bring in the 2020 NL Cy Young winner, Trevor Bauer, to add to their just embarrassment of riches of a pitching staff. Their over-under is set at 103 and a half wins, which just seems asinine. But when you have the amount of talent that the Dodgers have, both pitching-wise and in their lineup, you can't, you can't really fault odds makers for setting a lofty goal for this team they went 43 and 17 last year i mean that would have projected to easily over 100 wins in a in a full 162 game season Um, and then you've got the padres and they they are doing everything that they can to give the dodgers a runny uh, a runny a run for their money (laughs) in the nl west and in the nl as a whole uh they appear to be really the biggest threat uh in the whole nl and the dodgers they they're looking for their ninth straight division crown so the padres need to start there in terms of uh building towards taking down the dodgers the padres like i said they loaded up this offseason they traded for starting pitchers you darvish former AL Cy Young winner Blake Snell and Joe Musgrove to round out their rotation, which is just loaded on the surface. Uh, Their over-under is set at 93 and a half wins. So Dan, when we're looking at NLS, do you see any way how this is not a two-horse race? No, I mean, it's it's a two-horse race. The D-backs, Giants, and Rockies, um, 
they're just they're, they're not in it um i mean the rockies are full-blown rebuild um not gonna be competitive the giants i thought last year had a, a nice little run and were a bit of a storyline um and they were kind of the underdog fun uh team to root for just as a baseball fan um but but they're not going to be competitive and uh, same with the diamondbacks uh, good on the padres to capitalize and, and really try to make a threat and they put a good squad together uh and come october you know i mean it only takes a couple swings of the at bat um and a, a bounce here or there or a, a hung curveball to uh to make the difference so i mean dodgers and padres look for that to be a, a real fun series in october yeah and i think it's almost an inevitability at this point uh as long as injuries don't take out uh, play those two rosters, I think they're going to meet up in the postseason. And they're going to end up having to play in, in the division series, which on this, which is honestly a crime because that's only a five-game series. That, that series deserves to be seven games uh, because that's the two best teams in the National League going into this year, in my mind. Uh, but in terms of the over-unders, I actually am going to take the under on the Dodgers 103 and a half. I, I, I'm sure there, this is a team that can get to 100, 405 or more wins, but asking them to sustain that kind of excellence over the course of the entire season. Uh, I, I'm not sure that they're going to be do that, especially coming off of such a long and arduous playoff run. Uh, I'm not saying you're going to see what happened to the Red Sox after they won 2018. They came out sluggish as hell in 2019. Uh, I don't think you're going to see anything like that, but we've seen Dodger teams in the past get really hot and really cold, really streaky at times where they'll win 10 or 11 in a row, but then they'll lose seven or eight in a row. And so I, I think you'll see a little bit of that over the course of the season I don't want and maybe even just kind of taking their foot off the gas, resting players, making sure that they're staying healthy in the long run. So I actually am going to take the under on the Dodgers 103 and a half, but give me the over on the Padres 93 and a half. I think the Padres are going to do everything they can to try and win the division and unseat the Dodgers atop the throne. Uh, I think ultimately they will come just short, but I definitely think this is a team that's, 95 96 wins yeah i mean both these rosters i mean you go through the the lineups and the rotation just studded um both of the pitching staff pitching staffs i think every guy on, on each of the rotations um you know realistically are sub four pitchers um and there's not many teams that you can say that they're starting um their fifth starting pitcher um is probably favorited to pitch under under four um I think for a um, little bold prediction here, um, I, I don't think David Price finishes the year um, as, as the starting five pitcher for the Dodgers. I see, you know, in a year where he took off for COVID, he had some injury history um, when he was here in Boston and some consistency issues. Uh, I think with, with Dustin May and what he was able to do last year, um, I, I, look, I look to see him challenge Price for that role. That, that's, uh, I think, a storyline to watch, um, in my mind at least. Um, I like, I like the Dodgers right around one Oh three, um, for, for win total. So, um, I know you said under, so I'll, I'll take the over, um, cause one Oh three is where, where I would put them. Um, 
And I think the Padres, you know, are going to be pushing them. They'll look to get to, to come out as the, the division winner there and gain home field advantage um, in the series. So uh, I'll take the over there. I'll also take the over for the Padres. I think you're spot on. Um, to me, they're a high 90s team, um, not 100, um, but their their pitching staff is is very solid. And Will Myers, he had a real good year. Uh, he, he bounced back from a tough 2019. Uh, he got the power came back. I remember they were talking about moving him to dump salary um, and thank God they didn't yeah. uh, because he, he had a re- real turnaround year for last year. So uh, both these teams are going to be loaded and they're going to be fun to watch. Yeah. I think if you, if, if both of those rosters stay healthy, it's inevitable that they will be the top two teams in the national league and square off in the postseason. but let's move on to the American league. We'll stay out West for the AL West. The Oakland Athletics, they're going to be trying to repeat as division champs. They made some moves in the offseason to try and do that. They brought in closer Trevor Rosenthal, uh, first baseman slash DH Mitch Moreland, a.k.a. Mitchie Two Bags. And they traded for shortstop Elvis Andrews from the Texas Rangers. Their over-under is set at 87 and a half wins. Uh, and the only there's two other main storylines for the AL West for me coming into the 2021 season, and that is can the Astros get back atop the division with the losses at the top of their roster? And by that, I mean they've lost, they just lost George Springer to free agency this past offseason, he's now with the Toronto Blue Jays, and they're going to be without Justin Verlander for a significant part portion of the season after he had to get Tommy John late last year. So they're definitely going to be not as loaded at the top of their roster, but they're still bringing back so much talent when you're talking about guys like Altuve, Alex Bregman, um, and guys like that. Uh, They still have Zach Greinke atop the rotation. Uh, they still have a really good bullpen. Uh, they, they, so they are definitely players in the AL West. Uh, and then the other storyline for me is, is this the year that Mike Trout and the Angels get back to the postseason? Uh, I think the answer is pretty straightforward, but uh, I will pass it off to you, Dan. First, what are your thoughts on the AL West going into the season? Um. I mean, it's tough because, uh, you know, I hate the Astros as a baseball fan. And uh, I know there's been a lot of analytics on them taking steps or, or certain players uh, taking steps back after, you know, they couldn't benefit from the cheating scandal. Um, mm-hmm. Actually, Marlon Gonzalez of the Sox, uh, one of the, the biggest users of the, the cheating scandal. And he, he's had a rough go of it as a late. Um, but I think Bregman had a tough year. Altuve uh, took a lot. That, that's a locker room that, that uh, suffered a lot. Um, emotionally and uh you know i don't i don't i don't want them to make it back but man they had some real young pitchers step up for them and perform real well last year um and that in addition to you know who they have on the, the staff right now and them signing Odorizzi, uh I, th- I think they're the favorites for me to win it um i would love to see the angels um make a push i, I just i don't believe in shelly otani i He's he's a gimmick. Um, Mike Trout's the real deal, and Rendon are, are the real deal. Um, but beyond that, there's not a whole lot there. Um, 
I think David Fletcher was out of his mind last year, but I don't think that he's that um, not very high on him. I know they brought in some pitching help this year, but um, I don't, I don't think they get over the hump to me. They're a 500 team again. Mm-hmm. So the, like I said, the A's are sitting at 87 and a half wins for their over under. Uh, I am going to take the under for the A's. I, I just don't see them winning the division this year. And I don't think that the division winner is going to have 90 wins in this division. I think this is kind of one of the softer divisions in, in the league, but so it opens the door at least for a team like the angels to potentially work their way in and, and contend. But Ultimately, I, I don't think the A's have enough firepower to win the AL West again. Uh, I think I'm with you that it's the Astros division to lose this year. Their over-under is also 87 and a half. And so for that, for that reasoning, I'm taking the over for the Astros. Uh, what are your thoughts on the A's and the Astros sitting at 87 and a half wins, respectively? Yeah, I'll take the over in the Astros there. I think they're a low 90s uh, win team, but I, I don't. I think there maybe is a, a little bit of an asterisk next to, to those that 90 wins as, uh, you know, a lot of those division games are just, I think, against lesser opponents than some of the other divisions out there. Um, so I don't expect them to go deep into the playoffs. Uh, and the Angels and A's to me are both um, right around 500, maybe a smidge over on on both of them so maybe they're like 82 83 win teams i forget what you said the lines were but um you know i think they're probably right around right around that mark yeah the the a's were 87 and a half the angels are 83 and a half uh i i'm i'm with you on the angels i think they're a 500 team mike trout is just stuck in mediocrity in la it's a shame that he's only been to one postseason in 10 years that's that just that just shouldn't be a thing it really just shouldn't yeah, unfortunately, uh, it's been a rough year or, or a rough career for him, uh, playoffs-wise. Um, but yeah, I think the eighty-seven and a half or whatever it was for the Athletics is very high. Um, that's a team that I think, um, you know, at, at the deadline, I would not be surprised to see them sell um, on some of their bigger name guys because, uh, given their payroll and where uh, Chapman and Olsen are uh, contract-wise, I don't think that it behooves them to keep both of them um, for, for what they're going to cost. So. Um, look for those guys to be moved. I think, um, you know, maybe this year or, or in the off season next year. Hmm. All right, let's move on to the AL central where the Minnesota twins are going to be looking to win their third straight division crown. Uh, they didn't make too many additions in the off season. They, they made a couple of, of solid, but not, not anything crazy moves in adding, J.A. Happ from the Yankees and shortstop Angleton Simmons. Uh, Their over-under is set at 89 and a half. Uh, but just like in the AL West, uh, I think there's two other things to look at in the AL Central aside from who won it last year. And that is, do the White Sox have what it takes to win their first division crown since 2008, given how they choked down the stretch with being in the pole position to win it, the, the division last year, uh, that was, that was a tough watch for them. And then what is 
Cleveland doing? Are they in rebuild mode or are they just trying to like be a playoff team that doesn't really pay their players? I, I'm not really sure what Cleveland, what mode they're in right now. I, I think they're in rebuild, but I could be wrong. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on, on some of the teams in the American League Central going into this year, Dan? Well, specifically on Cleveland, I think you have to talk about the, the Lindor trade in terms of, you know, are they in rebuild? Um, and, and I know they, they got back a lot of players from the Mets, but these are a lot of a low ball, low, low A players. Um, and I think you know, that's a big risk. The, the history is shown in the MLB. Um, when, when you trade a superstar and you get back quantity versus quality, usually it doesn't work out too well for you. Um, and so I think that they made a mistake. I don't think that the haul they got back from the Mets is going to turn out to be all that great. I think um, they had a shot in moving Lindor to rejuvenate the farm system and, and maybe initiate that rebuild. And instead, I, I don't think that those guys are going to turn into um, players that they otherwise could have had um, back in there. So I don't, I don't think that the Indians um, will be as competitive. I think that they're maybe just around the 500 team. Um, the White Sox just lost Aloy Jimenez. Uh, I forget. I, I, I just heard it in passing, and I think he's going to be down for um, a good bit, um, which that's a big blow for them. I know they have um, kind of a deep and young lineup. Um, Madrigal is coming back up. Um, and, uh, you know, Tim Anderson, of course. I think. Do they have Luis Robert? Yeah, they do. Yeah. Um, and uh, so, so, I mean, they, they've got stars all over the place. I like this team a lot. I think they're on the come up. Um, last year wasn't their year, but um, I think this year just could be. Um, Julito, I think he had a bit of a rough start the last year, and then he really turned it on. Yeah. Um, that no-hitter he had really got him going. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think the White Sox are a real dangerous team, and they're they're built to compete. Um, I hope they can edge out the Twins. I don't like the Twins. They're not a fun team to watch. They've got a lot of guys who bat, you know, sub 250 and just hit home runs. Um, <laughs> home runs is not your your forte, DR. <laughs> well, I, I like the high average guys a little bit more, you know, like. Um, and that's fair. I know. It, yeah, I just, I, there's more action. There's more running on the base path. This gets your, your ball pumping a little bit more when you know, there's a guy on second and uh, a little blooper goes in and you're not sure if he's going to be able to make it home or not or. You know, I mean, I mean, they've got Kepler, Cruz, uh, Sano, all those guys are just they're straight home run hitters and not big average guys. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I'm I'm kind of I tend to agree with you. Like as much as I love to watch people blast the ball out of the yard, I mean, who doesn't? I do enjoy the other aspects of the game, and uh, I do. Like you get that play at the end in the World Series where the Rays walked off, where there it was just a, a fielding fiasco and a base running fiasco, and it, it just came down to who fucked up less, and it was just madness in the moment. And I don't even have a dog in the fight, and I'm just like, this is awesome, and I didn't need a home run to walk it off. Like you don't need a, a walk off home run to get that ex level of excitement. Yes, a walk off home run is like the the that's the dream but you can you can still get that kind of excitement without putting the ball over the fence so i i, I tend to agree with you in, in that mindset uh, yeah, and to, to that point if i could sneak in a little bit i think some of the the rule changes uh that 
the MLB is exploring in the minor leagues. And even at the major league level, uh, they're deadening the ball a little bit. Um, and I, I, I heard a report they're going to crack down on pitcher substance abuse. So, you know, looking at those two kind of specific things, deadening mm-hmm. the ball means um, maybe home run numbers go down. Uh, and then vice versa, uh, being a little more um, on top of pitchers using substances um, might get those strikeout numbers down a little bit. So it seems like that the league and, you know, maybe specifically Theo Epstein um, is, is what people point to is making moves to um, get away from the league's growing tendency for strikeouts and home runs Yeah, as being the, the only real plays that happen. Mm-hmm. It does seem like as soon as it came out that baseball might MLB may or may not be juicing their balls, uh, the baseballs, it, it just sent like uh, they were trying to push a all or nothing mindset of, Oh, just go for the long ball. And if you strike out, Oh, well, then you're just padding the pitcher stats. It's fine. So I, I, I agree. There definitely looks like they're taking steps to retract from that stance. Uh, but circling back to the AL Central, uh, some over-unders for the teams we were talking about. The Twins and the White Sox both are set for 89 and a half wins on the season. Do you have the, the Twins and the, White, or, and the White Sox over or under 89 and a half? You know... I mean, it, it could go either way, and I'm just going to pick with my heart. I'd, I'd love to see the White Sox uh, break through. I mean, Minnesota is just a losing city. I look at every sport. Um, they're, they're, when they get to the postseason, it, it wasn't going to matter. The last They haven't won a playoff series in years. The Wilds sucked. The Timberwolves, nothing. They're just – the Vikings, of course, not very competitive um, in, terms of, in terms of hardware. So – um, I'd like to see them out. I, I think the White Sox have a real shot, and I think that um, they're an up-and-coming team with Jimenez, Robert, uh, you know, Giolito, and, and some of the other young stars that they have. Yeah. So I, I'll take I'll take the over for the White Sox and, and the under for the Twins. I agree with you with the Twins. I think they're going to start coming back down to earth. They've led the league in, in home runs uh, the last couple of seasons. Uh, and I think that's that's going to start to come back down to earth. Uh, I just and I also think their pitching, which has been good enough, is, is going to start to falter as well. I don't I don't think they have the pitching to be sufficient uh, enough to win a division title. I I disagree with the White Sox as as much as I think this is a, a ninety to ninety two win team that is going to win the division. I, I, and while I do have them winning the division, I, I don't think they're going to get to 90 wins. I think this is a, an 87, 88, high, like mid to high, like high 80s ball club. And I think, but, but I think that's all it's going to take to win the AL Central this year. I don't think you, you're going to need 90 wins to win this division. Uh, so for that reason, I have the White Sox under as well under 89 and a half, but I, I do like the White Sox to come out of this division. Uh, Cleveland's over under is set at 81 and a half. I have got that under, I, uh, I, I just, I don't think they have enough talent now that they've kind of sent their stars out the door between Trevor Bauer and uh, a couple of years ago. And now they've sent out Lindor 
and Carrasco. I, I just, Mike Clevenger last year. It's just, just seems like they're not, they just don't like having good players for. Oh, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll, it just doesn't. I'll bounce back it. against you there because I think they do have some some players. I know Cesar Hernandez is not a household name, but you know, he's played really well as of late. Jose Ramirez, he did he win the MVP or he was MVP finalist? He was a finalist, I think. Yeah. Um, you know they have uh, that DH there. Um, shoot, uh, Fran Mill, Fran Mill Reyes, and he's he's really good. Um, they they got some some talent that can hit the ball. Of course, you got Shane Beaver, um, but besides that, the rest they've got a, a young guy, Tristan uh, McKenzie. I remember I picked him up in fantasy, and, and uh, he's pretty good. I I think I wouldn't be surprised to see him step into his own. I'm I don't think they're they're a threat to to win the division, but I think that they're um, above five hundred there. All right, so it looks like you've got the over. Uh, I'm going to take the under on that one. Um, I'm just out on Cleveland at this point. They don't even know what the name of their ball club is anymore, so I, I can't trust a team like that. Uh, and finally, we move on to the AL East, where the Tampa Bay Rays will be attempting to repeat as AL East champs and get back to the World Series. Uh, they've had some roster turnover specifically uh, with their starting pitching rotation. Uh, they traded Blake Snell to the Padres and then sort of reloaded the back end of their rotation to bolster loot that big loss uh, trading for Chris Archer, their longtime starter. He, they brought him back. They also signed Michael Waka and Rich Hill to sort of bolster that rotation uh, after Snell's departure. But it's the Yankees who open as favorites to not only win the division, but represent the American League in the World Series. Part of that is because they bring back such a loaded roster. Uh, But it's also because they added some starting pitching depth. Yes, J.A. Happ is out the door, but they won the Corey Kluber sweepstakes. So they get to add him to their rotation. They also brought in Jameson Tallion which is another starting pitcher that is solid to add to the rotation. Certainly nothing to sneeze at. I mean, you also can't really sleep on the Toronto Blue Jays anymore. I mean, they may not have uh, the, the top end talent that the Yankees have, but they are certainly opening their pocketbooks to attempt to do that. Uh, last year they traded for uh, or signed Hinshun Ryu and this year, this offseason, they brought in outfielder George Springer. So they're definitely trying to make some moves and, and get and be uh, a competing playoff team. So that, I think the AL East is a three-horse race. I'm going to leave out the Red Sox for now uh, until I see what, what they're made of. Uh, and we'll absolutely speak more to our Red Sox in just a little bit. But looking – at the AL East, what what tickles you about the AL East, Dan? Um, you know, I think for so long, you know, we're we're Boston area uh, natives, and for so long, the Blue Jays uh, have not really been all that competitive. And uh, you know, when they are, it's not sustained. Um, so so the way that they performed last year, and and some of the moves that they've made. And uh, looking at their lineup, I mean, Oscar Hernandez was absolutely, I mean, he hit a ton of bombs. Um, 
They brought in George Springer, which, um, you know, those Astro players are for, for the cheating scandal and how a lot of their, their numbers dipped, you know, I don't love that signing as much as I would have if, if uh, I didn't know that he was a cheater. Um, but, I mean, Bobichet, Vladdy, um, Kevin Biggio, that, they've got some real talent. I like Ryu, and uh, Steven Matz has been having a phenomenal spring training. He's been absolutely dicing people. So they're, they're the team, um, I think, that can most challenge um, the Yankees. I know the Rays. Um, the Rays the Rays have some, some, young, some young talent. Uh, who's that guy? Starts with a, an A. Uh, I mean, he really came into his own in the playoffs. Oh, uh, oh, this is bad. Hold on. Give oh, me. oh, oh, uh, Rose Reina. Yes. Um, yeah. So he, I mean, he he had a phenomenal year. Randy, um, Randy or Rose Reina. Yeah. Yep. Um, I just if they they need some more some more star hitting to me, in my opinion, I think I think they're rotation is is solid um not studded but but solid um and i think that you know maybe they regress this year and maybe um a little bit maybe going into the beginning of next year um until they get some of their farm system to sort of come up and contribute i know they've got some real pieces down there uh and so i think once that starts to happen you might see this team once again be competitive and maybe make another postseason run i don't necessarily see it this year though i agree with most of what you said about the the tampa bay rays minus the part where i think they're gonna take you said that they're gonna take a step back as much as i'm inclined to agree with you as well on that aspect something about tampa bay just screams that they are a regular season team that every so often is able to put together a playoff run. And I just think they're sort of that team that's always 90, 95 wins somewhere in that range in the regular season because they're not a star-studded team. They're more of a – it's at the whole team, not a few – like not one or two pitchers at the top, not one or two guys in the lineup. It's, it's a one-through-nine lineup, and it's a, a – the whole pitching staff, whether it's the starters or the bullpen. I mean, this is a team that really just runs with their bullpen uh, and has so much faith in their bullpen uh, that they typically are comfortable rolling with four starters uh, at times during the season and, and having bullpen games where they just throw it up. It's just an entire bullpen day. And, Last year, that worked out very well for them. The best record in the American League and an American League East crown, an American League crown, and a World Series trip. And I just, I just, as much as I want to say, oh, that was sort of a fluke and, and that talent doesn't, it, the talent isn't there to sustain that and, and, and continue that into this year. I'm, I'm kind of a believer in this team. I, I really think that Glasnow has the, the capability of, of being the anchor of that rotation. And Ryan Yarbo has been really solid uh, as a, as a, like a five, six inning starter each, each, each turn through the rotation. 
And I, if, if you get the sustained success that you had from those young guys in that playoff run through the course of a season, I think they're capable of hanging with a Yankees, especially given how much trouble the Yankees just seem to have each year with injuries. And I know you can't really bank on that again to happen to the Yankees, but man, I think, I think Tampa's legit. Yeah. I mean, we'll see. I think, um, We'll see. I, certainly the playoff run is going to do a lot for their young players um, and the experience they'll have going into the postseason. I know that was a big storyline that a lot of those guys um, hadn't been there before and um, hadn't even been on that kind of stage, uh, coming from a real small market and things of that nature. So um, some good experience there. It's, it's going to suck that they lost Snell, but um, you know certainly within their farm system, they've got a lot of talent there. They've got a lot of people. Um, and it's just how quickly I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to pretend to know the, the, the timetable for some of the uh, top prospects in their farm system, but um, so whenever they're due, I'd guess probably um, you'll see maybe a couple people up this year um, and definitely certainly in the future. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I, I also agree with what you're saying with the blue Jays. Um, they usually are not really a threat in the AL East, but I do like the, the, the trajectory they seem to be on. They seem to be putting the pieces together. I don't know if this is the year for them, but I think they're, they're, they'll be in the mix for the most part. Maybe they'll fizzle out at the end, sort of like the White Sox did last year. But I, I, I think that they're, they're capable of competing for most, if not all of the season. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Ryu, I think is a bona fide stud. Um, and I like him to have another good year. Um, if he doesn't, I think they could be in some trouble. Hmm. Um, but we'll see. All right. So the 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 Rays come into the season with their over-under set at 86 and a half wins. The Yankees are at 96 and a half. And then the Blue Jays are also like the Rays at 86 and a half. So let's start with the Rays and the Blue Jays. Do you like them to be over or under 86 and a half wins? I mean, I think both these teams are neck and neck. Um, gosh, I mean, you could go either way. But I, I like the Jays by a smidge more. I just, you know, the way that I think some of their some of their guys took a step forward last year, I, I like them uh, over 86 and a half. And uh, I guess by process of elimination, I'll take the Rays under. Maybe, maybe I just have an AL East bias this year. I'm not sure, but I have the Blue Jays and the Rays both over 86 and a half. I think they're both going to be pushing for 90 wins, especially the Rays. Um, and then for the Yankees at 96 and a half, they certainly have the talent to, to get to 100 wins. I mean, a couple of years ago, they had 104 wins and half their roster was out for decent portions of the season. Uh, so they they certainly have the depth as well as the star-studded talent to get to 100 wins. But this is it's been a couple of years now where they have struggled to stay healthy. And for, you can only do that for so long and be able to maintain success. So, and last year, they were 33 and 27. So that would proc out to being probably about 15 games above 500 so that would i mean they, they'd be looking at 
uh, high 90s. So I think that 96 and a half wins is, is a pretty fair line for them. But give me the under on the Yankees. And it's not because they don't have the talent. It's just recent history says that they're, they're doomed to fall apart injury-wise. And I, I just I, – I think that while they – are probably the most talented team in the American League. I don't think that will be reflected in the standings. Yeah, I'll take the under two. Just fuck the Yankees. <laughs> I, I can reach respect that. All right, but let's let's get into our Boston Red Sox. So, I, I I've I've got one question for you, and it, it's kind of a question that I've brought up for a couple of the other teams we've talked about over the course of this episode and that's is this team trying to compete or rebuild yeah so so high bloom has talked at length about you know being able to sustainably uh compete and i think um you know for him to be able to accomplish uh, that goal and the way that he um is going about it i think there is going to be a little bit of a sort of a relapse um, and we're seeing that we saw that last year and I think we'll see a little bit more of it this year um, I don't think this is a, a team that's going to compete this year but the way it's being built um, with the talent they're acquiring and um, you know how they're acquiring it and you know and a lot of rule five draft picks uh, taking on some younger guys with some term and um, you know you look at the Renfro signing where that's a guy um, you know still under arbitration and still um, with some term on that contract um, you know, some of these other acquisitions that have been made, I think they're trying to rebuild the farm system and, um, you know, in such a way that they don't have to make these blockbuster trades uh, that um, they made previously in the Chris Sale signing or, you know, the Kimberl acquisition. Um, so I think it's a different way of going about it than we've seen in previous. Um, and there's been sort of, I think, in Red Sox history, this, this sort of dynamic where they'll bring in, um, you know, one GM or head of baseball operations um, to to do one of the other, where it's we need to rebuild the team. You saw that kind of uh, what they thought with 2013 was going to be, and um, you know, previously before that with Theo, and then they'll bring in somebody else after, and they'll say, you know, we need to go for it, and then they sort of mortgage the future again. And I think, you know, hopefully, um, if if Bloom's strategy works instead of this up and down um, roller coaster that the Sox have been on it'll be more of a, a steady stream so um, I hope that answers your question yeah I, I think that agrees that that does co- sort of answer my question in the sense that they're 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 rebuilding in a way where it gives them the chance to compete while not just blowing it up from the top down They've still got their their studs locked in in terms of Rafi Devers and Xander Bogarts. You still got JD Martinez. So your three, four, five guys or your top three hitters are still here. Now it just comes down to can these younger guys that you're bringing in, uh, whether it be through free agency or through through your own system, uh, guys or f- through trade for that matter. I mean, you you brought in Verdugo last year as part of the Mookie Betts trade-off. You just brought in Frankie Cordero as part of the Andrew Benatendi deal. 
you're signing Hunter Renfro, like you said. You're you're signing guys like Enrique Hernandez and Marwin Gonzalez, utility guys, to sort of fill that Brock Holt uh, role on the roster. And you've got up and comers like Bobby Dalbeck, who is it? There is it? They finally have a chance, and and Michael Chavis as well. We got to see him for a good chunk of last year. Uh, so there's going to be opportunities for the younger guys to step in, especially uh, in the pitching on the pitching staff. And I, we haven't even really gotten into the pitching staff much yet. Uh, they've brought in Garrett Richards. I believe that's a one year sort of prove it deal. They traded for Adam Ottavino in a rare trade with the Yankees. Uh, so they've, they're like, they're making calculated moves where if the players play up to their potential, then yeah, maybe they can sneakily compete for the wild for a wild card spot. But if they don't, oh well, we'll reset. We've that's another that's a year for the younger guys under their belt. That's another year to get the pieces in place to where they want to be. Yeah, and and um, you know, just as an aside, I've heard a lot within the media around Boston, um, you know, looking at the Ben Attendee trade. And I think um, there's been a lot of criticism for it and saying, you know, Cordero is not really worth what Benny um, was and what he could be again. And to that, I, I would agree. Um, but I think a lot of people are, you know, not to dump on, on one person in particular, but, um, you know, Tony Maserati, local guy here, and he's sort of the, the, the big radio presence for, for baseball. Um, in, in this town and I think he's he's been pretty vocal about it uh, among others but um, you know there there are three players to be named later uh, coming back in that deal and I think as baseball fans we're trained uh, you know player to be named later that's going to be a no one like he's not going to be a factor but um, no, in a normal year I'd agree and, I, and I'd rip this trade and I, and I wouldn't be happy with it but um, there was no minor league season last year and so I think it's very fair to look at uh, these players to be named later coming back in that deal. And, um, you know, Boston wants to see these guys play again. They haven't seen them play in you know almost two years now. So you're not really sure what those commodities are, you know, if they're stayed in shape, if they're still how they've progressed, how they've been working. Um, so I know that Cordero hasn't uh, had really much time in Boston, um, but, you know, if, if, if he doesn't really prove um, or pan out, you know, he, if he has a rough go of it, I think, Boston fans would be wrong to look at that as of right now and say that the, the Benetendi trade was a mistake or vice versa. If Cordero lights it up and Benny flops, I don't think it's necessarily right to say that uh, it was a bad trade in the early going until you know who those players players are coming back from the deal uh, and you know what that, that whole trade looks like. Mm-hmm. I, I agree with that. I, I think that's, that's how Boston fans really should look at the trades. I think they, they've been conditioned to, to think that way just because of how the Mookie Betts trade went off. It didn't feel like they got as much as they should have or could have for Betts. And, and so now you, you trade off another guy in Benatendi and it's like, oh, what are we doing here? What, why, why are we selling off him at such a young age? Blah, 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 blah. So I, I, I think that's a good way of viewing that trade. Uh, but I want to get your thoughts on the manager of the Boston Red Sox. Alex Cora is back after his one-year sort of ban. 
from the league due to those Astros cheating scandals that he may or may not have played a part of. Uh, what are you, what are your thoughts on Alex Cora uh, back as manager of the Boston Red Sox? Do you like it or are you are you out on it? Well, well, first off, you know Ron Renicky last year. I think um, you know he was a nice enough guy, and in I think he did his 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 best. But to me, he was like a substitute teacher. Yep, right. Like the class doesn't take him seriously. You know that it's not going to be you know a real class. It wasn't a real season last year with COVID. Everyone knew that he wasn't long for for the door uh, at the end of the year. So, um, you know, any coach, I think, stepping back in was going to be more respected and and gain a lot more support from the locker room because, uh, you know, you knew there were going to be some term there and this was a guy that you were going to play for, um, you know, going forward. You know, that said, I think Cora knows baseball. And um, the cheating scandal, you know, as a Boston fan, I'm, I'm pretty biased when it comes to that whole thing. But, um, I do think he was a little scapegoated in that um, in that whole storyline, and there there were some people, you know, around the team and you know around even the Astros were sort of hinting at that. And uh, you know, I was reading a lot of the different articles and things of that nature. Um, you know, the same report that alleged that the, uh, the Red Sox were using the Apple Watches also um, accused the the Yankees, um, and I think uh, or the the video room um, also accused the Yankees you know, in the same one where they sort of accused the, the Astros. Um, so I think that there were other teams that were doing it. And I also think that within that organization, it was going on before Cora got there. Um, certainly he played a role in it. Um, I'm not saying he's innocent by any means, but um, I don't think he's some villainous person. I'm glad he's back. I think he's a good coach. And I think that he garners a lot of respect and you know, weight in the locker room. Guys like to play for him. He's got a personal relationship with uh, Kike, who um, has had a great spring. So um you know, you got to wonder if that was a, a contributing factor there. Um, so I'm, I'm pumped to have him back. I like him a lot. I think he's transparent as a fan. He'll, he'll, he'll tell you what's going on, how the conversations went, you know, why decisions were made and things of that nature. Yeah, I, I agree. And I, I think he's a player's coach. He, he really, especially with his Hispanic culture and his Hispanic background, he, he jives with the Rafi Devers and the Xander Bogarts of the team and, and just, he's on their, their wavelength. He, he honestly makes them better just by being in that dugout in my, in my mind. So I I am also excited to have Alex Cora back and eager to see uh, what impact he can have, uh, whether it just be by his presence or his decision-making. Now, what I want to ask you next is, is kind of coming off of what I asked you initially about the Red Sox. And that's this. So we, we, we know what the Red Sox are bringing into this year. And it seems like they're sort of a tweener. They're not ready to compete for a championship, maybe not even for a playoff spot. But it doesn't seem like they're in a full rebuild either, despite the fact that they will have the number four overall pick in the upcoming draft in June. Uh, so my question to you, Dan, is go just this is before anything happens in the season. Would you like or prefer to see the Red Sox just sort of blow it up and start from scratch and fully reload, stock up the, the farm system and and take that line of of approach? Or if or would you like them to really push for a playoff run of some sort, whether it's 
for a championship or just to get back to the postseason? I think this this team is is you know not not to convolute things, but I think a lot of the same questions were being asked about the the Bruins um, going into this season. I know mm-hmm. different sport, but you know they were in a a term where they had some older guys. They'd made some runs previously, um, but they had some young guys coming up. It was do you let the let the kids play? Do you sell off the vets and try to reboot? Um, and I think that their approach was sound, and it applies here, where. Um, you know, you do what you can to compete for this year. You're not going to mortgage the future, though. I think the the goal is the future, but you're going to let your guys play. And um, if something happens, then, you know, when the deadline rolls around, you see where we're at and you look at the division and, you know, where you're at and where you realistically think things could be and you act accordingly. Um, you know, whether that be sell or add or um, maybe somewhere in between. But um, I like what they've done. I've liked some of the moves that they've made. Um, they were able to steal some nice players in the Rule 5 draft. Uh, I think that their their infield as a whole is something to be excited about for, for the future with, um, of course, the left side is, is sure up. Um, Dalbuk um, strikes out a lot, but um, he led the, I think he led the, the spring training or is leading spring training in, in home runs right now, which, I mean, you don't like to repeat, but um, you got to wonder how, how far he can drop from that. I think he's probably going to put up some, some good home run numbers this year. Um, second base, the second base is a big contrarian. Chavis and um, Royo both, both have been playing their asses off in spring training. And um, there's only one real spot there. I think it sucks because Chavis is going to get sent down. And I know he had some comments. He's, he's pretty disappointed about it. Um, there's, there's really not a spot for him. Uh, Royo's does, is out of options. So Chavis is, is sort of it. Um, but I, I think the long-term answer is Jeter Downs in the system there. You know, I, I expect Jaron Duran to be up in the outfield. Outfield, there's not a lot of names, but there's there's some real versatile guys. you got a lot of guys that can play out there. You know, Marwin Gonzalez, J.D. can come in, Verdugo. you got Kike Hernandez who can still play out there. Um, Renfro. I, I'm probably missing people too. Cordero. Um, you got a lot of guys, so there's a lot of versatility. You can mix and match, you know, your pitching lineups. I know, you know, I think – Chavis doesn't hit lefties all that well, or um, Renfro has trouble with uh, one or the other. Um, I think that this team, and, and historically, I, I did a whole thing a couple of years back where I went and looked at their hitting stats. Um, they're, they're like top five in hitting in the, the league. And on a lot of the hitting statistical categories, like 80% of the last like 20 years. But the, hitting is not the team's problem. And it, it, even last year, it wasn't their problem. Um, it's pitching. Pitching is is where they've made some bad signings. It's where they don't have a lot of depth. Um, and, you know, they've had some bad luck injury-wise. So, um, you know, this year, I think you're going to see another rough year, specifically the rotation. I'm not as worried about the, the bullpen. I think they've, they've made some nice moves, and I, I believe in some of those guys out there. Yeah, I, I think the first sort of thing that this, the pitching needs is they need a healthy Chris Sale back. Uh, that's that's first and foremost they need their ace back and and they need a healthy eduardo rodriguez as well he's already missing opening day scratched from that start due to a dead arm that's that's not something you want to see right off the bat so hopefully a, a week off will get his arm feeling feeling back up to speed They're, they really need the starting depth in in my mind because I'm not as confident as it sounds like you are in the rotate uh, the bullpen rather. Uh, I, I I'm a 
I'm going to wait and see on, on the bullpen right now. Um, I think they're capable, but I, I, I need to see it this year. Uh, but some of the other guys like Avaldi and Garrett Richards, Martin Perez, these are guys that have shown flashes of being good, but whether it be injuries or inconsistencies on the mound, they're just not up there as big names and, and great players. And so I, I hope that maybe we can see them put it together. And, and if they do, if they are, are able to all put it together and you get a healthy Chris sale back to pair alongside Eduardo, then yeah, I think this team has a sneaky chance of being able to compete for a playoff spot. But if they don't have the pitching to go along with that hitting that you're saying, talking about, which I 100% agree hitting is not the problem whatsoever for this team. Uh, It's all about the pitching. They need that pitching to be there. And if, if it's not, then yeah, they're going to be if, uh, close to probably a 500 ball club. Yeah, I think, you know, I, I, don't, I don't believe in this rotation, just plain and simple. Um, of all the, has not been a good signing. Um, you know, he, he was real good that first year when we acquired him at the deadline. But, um, you know, there's been a lot of injury history there. Uh, and, you know, for a guy who has, you know, throws 100 and has good stuff, seems to find the, the barrel a lot, which uh, is unfortunate. You know, you really hope that Erod can can have another good year. I know he's down with COVID, and and that's that sucks, and that's really unfortunate. Um, and it was a life thing for him. Um, but you know, even before that, he he was good the the previous year. But you know, before that, he wasn't the most consistent of guys. You know, I'd really like to see um, something out of him, um, another good season out of him. Garrett Richards, I, I'm not super high on that. He hasn't made more than 20 starts since like 2015, I think was the stat. Um, I don't think that he's going to put together a ton of stats. He's, he's when he's out there, he's got good stuff. It's just another injury problem with, with him. Um, Pavetta is another guy you hope for. I know the Rays went after him hard, which, you know, I, I, I agree with you that the Rays got a little bit of ju- good juju going on and they seem to find good value in people. So hopefully boom brought that over and he was, he was right to pick up Pavetta. Um, one name that I think shouldn't shouldn't go unnoticed is uh, Tanner Houck. He'll he he will start the the season down in AAA, but you know with some of the injury concerns, he's definitely the next man up, and I expect him to make a, a fair number of starts at the major league level. All right, so the Red Sox come into this year, their over under is set at seventy nine and a half wins, so they're not even projected to get eighty wins on the season. Uh, at least Vegas and sports books don't believe that to be the case. So do you agree with them? Do you think that this is a, a 500 ball club or do you think that they have the capability of being over that? Do you think this is, is this a team that's going to be below 500 or do you like their chance of being at or above 500? I mean, they're definitely capable of it. Again, it's just, it's, it's what that rotation looks like, and I'm not the, the biggest believer. So I'm going to put them right around 500. You know, I'll take maybe the over on the 79 mark, um, but it's just a smidge over for me. Yeah, I, I'm I'm with you on the smidge, but I'm on the opposite side of it. I think there'll be a smidge under it. I think they'll be right around 77, 78 wins. I think the ceiling for this team, for a team that is probably going to finish fourth in the division, 
at least there that's where people seem to have them as in the pre going into the season as the fourth best team in the division. I think their ceiling is fairly at least fairly high for a fourth place team. I just think that their floor is also low uh, due mm-hmm. to the fact that they're playing in such a, a good division, uh, that being the AL East. So I'm I'm going to take the under just because I have some doubts going into the season, uh, specifically with the pitching, like you you've said. Yeah, I think that's that's very fair. Um, and then I guess I'll, if I can add two more storylines to watch for for the season, and that'll be all I got for I think the Sox. Um, you know, the, the starting, the 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 the, or the the closing position, both Adovino and Barnes have been pretty adamant that they want the job, and both have pitched like they they uh, deserve it. Um, you know, I think a lot of people expect the the Sox to make a decision on who the the closer is going to be, but you know that could be a storyline to watch throughout the season if if um, someone's pitching better than the other. I could I could see that flip flop a couple of times um, throughout the year, uh, and then look for look for look for JD to bounce back this year. I think you know he's he's voiced his frustration through some some channels uh, with you know how he was criticized last year for his down year. Um, I think he was probably rightfully uh, upset that um, a lot of people had given up on him after um, you know only really a couple months of baseball. Every every good player throughout the course of a 162 game season has a few bad months. That's just that's baseball. It's a game of averages, and so um, you know I think. The years leading up to that, he proved that he was one of the better better hitters in in Major League Baseball, and uh, I think he's not very happy about um, being judged on a, a couple bad months. So, um, you know, even if he gets off to a slow start, I think that's been his mo for a couple of years now, where he starts a little slow, and then uh, even the year that we acquired him, I think he went he went maybe a month um, without hitting a home run, and he you know he finished with what was it thirty nine or something or. I mean, he was 42. He finished with a lot of home runs that year. Mm-hmm. Um, people, people, of course, forgot about the slow start in that. So um, don't give up quick on him. And uh, I, I, I think he'll have a, a good season again. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. JD's the type of player we've, we've known this for years. He is a dynamic player from both a hitting, uh, from a power and a contact stance. Uh, I, I, I believe he's due for it as well. Uh, so I'm right there with you on that. And with, in terms of the the, the Ottavino Barnes, I, even if they don't decide and name one to be the closer of the over, or the one over the other, I think that they are more than capable of just riding the hot hand for the most of the season. Uh, those are two very capable guys, and like I said, they're both pitching well enough. Uh, going into the season where they have that claim to be the guy. I think they'll just give Barnes the the start as long as he's uh, healthy enough. I believe he was one of those pitchers that was on the health and safety protocols list uh, due to COVID uh, earlier on in the season. I don't know if he's off of it yet, Um, but if he's off of it, yeah. So he, I think he's the one that just tested positive and threw things out of whack. I think there's another like seven who are in contact tracing right now. And so you hope that um, you hope that those aren't some, some key guys. I think Garrett Richards is somebody that people have been talking about. Um, so you might see Tanner Houck up depending on how long uh, Garrett Richards is out of the, the starting rotation. This might, this might, I think throw a wrench in the final, final roster. Um, but I guess the, 
the flip side here is that it might allow this team some flexibility where other teams are making some roster cuts and decisions and maybe the uh, Red Sox, because they have guys in COVID, can sort of leverage that and uh, pick up some people that they might not otherwise have, have been able to get. Yeah, and another sort of fallout from that would be that Ottavino should realistically get the chance to start as the closer going into the year and have that opportunity to show that he can be the team's closer. And if not, then when Matt Barnes is has recovered from COVID – then he'll have that chance to resume as the closer. So I think uh, you hate to call somebody getting COVID a win-win. So that's not what I'm saying by any stretch of the imagination. But if you take the glass half full look at this, you can at least say, all right, instead of having to choose one or the other or have that decision of who do you pick each night to be your ninth inning guy, this at the very least, allows you to say, okay, Ottavino, this is your shot. Let's see what you got. And if he doesn't have it, then he just becomes the eighth inning guy and you give it to Matty Backpacks for the ninth inning when he's good to go. And But if he, get, if he takes the ball and runs with it, then maybe you've got to wait and see what Matt, Matt Barnes offers you when he comes back before you, you take away the ninth inning from Ottavino. So there's definitely a lot to see in uh, a, a lot to be, a lot to be interested to see how it plays out uh, in terms of that. Yeah, yeah. It, Barnes is not a linchpin in terms of this team or, or even the bullpen. Um, you know, if he's going to miss the, the start of the season, uh, it's not really the worst thing that happens. Um, I just pay attention to some of these other people who are in contact tracing right now. Those those could be some people that um, you know, specifically in the rotation, um, that would suck. If some of those guys, you know, even the two of them. We're going to miss the start of the season. You could get off to a rocky start there. Yep. 100% agree. All right. Let's wrap up with some predictions for division winners and who will grab the wild card spots for each league. Uh, I will start with you, Dan. Who do you have winning each of the three divisions in the National League? Um, gosh, I'm probably going to backtrack and I know I gave division winners before I'll probably screw this up uh I'm trying to remember I think I said I wanted the White Sox to win um, well that would be in the American League but oh you're right you're right you're right <laughs> so we'll get to your American League winners don't don't you worry uh but in the National League like in the National League East who do you, who do you like to come out of that I'm just going to throw out another American League team like an idiot. <laughs> well, while you're while you're circling about that, I'll give I'll give you mine. For for the for the National League East, I have the Braves as the coming out as the division winners of the NL East. I think they'll get their fourth straight division title. I think it'll be close between them and the Nats, but I do like the Braves uh, when all is said and done. In the central, I think it's a toss-up. I, I don't think there's a 90-win team in the NL Central, but I think the best of the bunch will be the St. Louis Cardinals. I think the addition of Nolan Arenado just puts them over the top. As long as the pitching is there, I think that that's a lineup that 
can't be uh, underestimated. And then in the NL West, like we were talking about, it, it's got to be the Dodgers. Uh, and if it's not the Dodgers, it's, it's most certainly the Padres. It's one of those two. Uh, but I'll take the Dodgers to just survive uh, uh, the Padres in the NL West. Yeah, I think I said I think I'd originally said for the NL East that it was the Mets. Um, and I'll you stick did. to that. Um, I'll stick to that. I think as much as I think the Nationals have uh, some real talent, um, I think it's going to come down to the Braves and the Mets there. Uh, and I think that the the Mets just have a little bit more, and um, especially that infield is just it's loaded. I think you know Conforto too. They've got some some real talent there. For the, the the central, I believe I said the Brewers. You uh, did. The yes. I think I think the Cubs Cubs are on a little bit of downswing. Um, you know, you saw Theo leave um, as they wanted to sort of retool uh, and, and um, go all in for for this coming year. And uh, I, I think that was a mistake. I think the Cubs are going to look back and regret that. Um, and I think the Brewers. I like them having a bounce back year uh, and going over the top there. For the West. That was the Dodgers over Padres. Mm-hmm. Um, again, two horse race. We talked about that, but the the Dodgers are just—they're so good, um, and that team is—it's really an all-star team. It's not even fair. Yeah. Uh, AL East, I'll take the Yankees. Um, I really hope that they don't win because uh, deep-seated personal reasons, but um, I think that they—they're going to take the cake. Uh, fuck Gary Sanchez, he sucks. <laughs> for the is useless al central um i believe i took the white Sox in this one over the twins um i think we were in agreement more, on that yeah yeah that was a heart pick i think i think that the twins can realistically definitely threaten again for for that division um and Eloy Eloy Jimenez is making a mistake that's a big loss for for the white Sox. um for the ALS, I've been staring at this one. I cannot remember who I who I took for this one. I don't think I took the Angels. No, I don't think I took the A's. I think I think we both kind of. I don't think you really gave a pick for the AL West, uh, but it sounded like you were trending towards the Astros. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, that's right. Um, so I would be in agreement with you with the White Sox and the Astros. I think with how the, the regular season ended for them last year, where they were in the driver's seat, they were up three games on the Twins and six games on the Indians with 10 to go, and they end up losing the division, finishing a game behind the Twins and tied with the Indians, just kind of choking that last week and a half down the stretch. I think they're gonna. That's gonna be a, a learning moment for that young team. Now you, you're adding more and more talent each year. You, you added Yasmani Grandal last year uh, and Dallas Keuchel. Now you're adding guys like even from their farm system and, and Nick Madrigal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Louis Robert coming up and, and showing flashes of being uh, a quality player up top. You add in guys like. Liam Hendricks is the new closer this year, uh, a quality arm, and Lance Lynn, who's shown that he can be capable any given year of putting up quality stats. I mean, that I, I think this is the year the White Sox get back and, and win the AL Central. 
And with the Astros, I, I just think that they've got too much top to end talent still, even with the departures of George Springer, the loss of Verlander for most of the year. I still think they have just enough to eke out the A's in the AL West. Where I differ from you is I really think the Rays are the real deal. And I think that they're going to just edge out the Yankees for the AL East. Now, real quick, before we finish up, I do want to get our wildcard teams. Uh, I think we are in agreement in the NL that the Padres will get one of those wildcard spots. Definitely. Uh, but for me, the other team that I think will make the postseason and be in that wildcard game will be the Washington Nationals. I think they're due for a bounce back year, like I was saying earlier. And I just think they just have too much pitching to, and to not bounce back. And I think that they'll have enough hitting to eke into the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I saw the Mets winning. I, I got to take the Braves as, as the other wild card team for me there. Mm. All right. And in the AL, I think, I think I've, I, you'll have, Maybe you'll have the Rays or the Blue Jays. I'm not sure. I'll, I'll, we'll have to, I'll have to find out in just a moment. But since I have the Rays winning the division in the AL East, I most certainly have the Yankees as one of the two wildcard teams. And I think the other one will be the A's. I think they're, the A's are still too good to not make the postseason. I'm leaving the Twins out. I think that their time uh, atop as a, as a contender, uh, at least as a playoff team, has ended uh and i'm so i've got the yankees and the a's as the two wild card teams in the american league what you about know, you I, so yeah so it's so I, I'll, I'll i like the blue jays to to be the first wild card okay um, and i think this 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 has a real shot to be one of the, the years where you know both wild cards come from the same division and, and the rays take the second one um, I think that's going to be my pick. I think that the Sox are the odd man out uh, with the Orioles, but the Orioles never stood a chance. Um, yeah, <laughs> they're a dumpster fire still. They're they're yeah. slowly but surely making their way back into relevancy, but they're, they're still a ways away. Yeah, I think it, for me, that second wild card comes down to the Rays and the Twins. Um, and I just, I think the twins are, are due for aggression. I'm not as high on, on the A's as, as you are. Um, yeah, I, I think the worst thing that could happen to the organization for, for their future is that they're, they're in it down the stretch. Uh, Cause I think that, I think that if, if they're in a position where it makes sense to sell their organization could, could really benefit from that move. Hmm. Um, but yeah, so I'm going to go, I'm going to go blue Jays race. All righty. Sounds good. Uh, it looks like that'll do it for our MLB season preview show. Do you have any final thoughts going into the season on the Red Sox or the league as a whole before we sign off here, Dan? Um, you know, I, I'm interested to see uh, how fans in the stands works and how, how COVID deals with, with baseball generally this season. If they didn't have the season I would have thought they would have had um last year dealing with covid you know among the four major sports leagues they had the most time to prepare for it um and uh, you know you look at their sport and just the way that it plays you think that 
uh, it would be the sport most least likely to to continue to contract it. But it seems that they had the hardest time dealing with with COVID out of out of all the leagues. So we'll see how that plays out. I I, I hope they they kind of figured it out and can put together a, a good product for the full length of the season. And then you know for the Red Sox, I'm excited. I think while this well, I don't think they'll threaten for a playoff spot. Um, you know, they could, but I, I realistically don't think they will. Um, this this will be a, a year in which we can watch baseball and we can watch the Red Sox again, uh, you know, after after what last year was 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 pretty bad. So, yeah. Um, I'm excited about the prospects of being able to just watch a game at Fenway Park. I'm obviously not in town anymore to – to be able to do that on a regular basis, uh, residing in Arkansas these days. But when I am inevitably home at some point this summer, I will surely, assuming that it's still allowed, be able, uh, be looking to check out a game at Fenway, having not been able to do that at all last year. Uh, it's been it's been too long. Definitely got to check out a game uh, at Fenway this year. That's that's just being able to be able to do that would be awesome. Yeah, ticket prices for, for opening day are like starting at like just like seven fifty to go sit in like the bleachers. Like they, I mean that's opening day. They come down after that, but um, and they might have come down since, but that's what they opened at. And uh, we'll see. I, I wonder if you know the thirty dollar bleachers that you, you could normally buy in a season are, are are jacked up because there's just a higher higher demand. Maybe it costs a hundred bucks minimum to go see the Sox this year. Yeah. We'll have to see. I, if, from what I know from basketball, at least from the NBA side of things, prices have been on the lower side. Um, but it, it depends market to market. And with Boston being the market that it is, I, I would assume prices would be on the higher end of the spectrum. But we'll have to see how things shake out. But for Dan Roach, that's going to do it. I'm Ryan Brown. We'll see you next time.